I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. That's the funny thing about age. If we actually just lift age out of the conversation, then we're just all ageless in a sense. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 63. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not leave us a re- review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about growing your following as an influencer over 50, which is a demographic that is becoming really popular on Instagram. Um, but before we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? So I'm going to be drinking the actually finishing off a bottle of rosé a little bit later um, that I've had in the fridge. Um, I think it might just have like even a, not even like a glass left, but I'm going to be doing that and then breaking into probably something else. I don't know. I've got some beer in the fridge. I've got some, um, a bunch of liquor that I have in the cabinet, (laughs) but we're going to, we're going to finish off that rosé. Sounds like a good old time. I've been, I bought a bottle of Bailey's Irish cream right before St. Patrick's day. Mm. And surprisingly, like when I pulled it out and, um, we had my sister and brother-in-law over and, um, nobody wanted it except for my mom and myself. So we, it's not even a big bottle, but like we had some leftovers. So I've been drinking hot chocolate with a little bit of that in it. Oh, I bet it's good. Every couple nights and it is, it is delicious. Put a little whipped cream on top of there. It's like Mm -hmm. a real, it's maybe not a, I don't know if you'd consider it like a cocktail, but maybe like an after dinner drink. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good, which is when I'm drinking it. So I don't feel bad. Yeah. Well, now that we have that out of the way, let's get into our discussion with our guest, Lisa Tamagini of Age Gratefully. Lisa Tamagini started Age Gratefully as a pandemic passion project. As a vocal coach and performer, she was actually my voice teacher in high school, guys. When the country locked down, she decided to distract herself with her secondary passion, teaching midlife women how to claim their power through style and beauty. And we can definitely get behind that. Lisa, it's as as I was saying before we got on, it's very different for me to call you Lisa, but we're so excited to have you on. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me, really. It's well, it's uh, so our story actually started like right down the street from where I'm and Je- both Jesse and I are living right now. So it's so funny to come full circle like a decade and a half later. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, it's more than that, but I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) So we're excited. As I said, we're excited to have you on. And it's all because of this, this awesome Instagram uh, account that you started. Now, before we get into that though, this is cocktails and content creation. So we must start off with what are you drinking today? Oh my gosh. Today I'm drinking black coffee with collagen. (laughs) Oh, well, okay guys, if you you have to go check out after five, what would I be drinking? Yes. That's a good one. Um, you know what? Honestly, I'm a wine girl. I do like a cocktail every so often, but mm-hmm. um, but I would probably be drinking a Cabernet. Mm. We're equal opportunity when it Drinkers. comes to alcohol <laughs> on this show. Yes, like okay. a Cabernet or a Sancerre. I know it's opposite ends of the spectrum, but that's where I would probably go. Mm. I, I'm totally with you on that. Jesse's a box wine kind of girl. So there you go. It's so funny. I've been doing a lot of the like Boda box, which they kind of hit the market and they like, yeah. you know, tout that, you know, they're, they've got like, I don't know, a long life shelf in the fridge. So you don't feel like you have to drink it right away. And it's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. I'm not we a connoisseur. So yeah. In my family, that's like a thing in uh, when the, the big fam is together. When, yeah, you just literally open the fridge and you just, everybody can help themselves. It doesn't make a mess. It's great. <laughs> everybody bring a box and mm-hmm. then you're set. <laughs> Down and dirty. Yes. Well, as I mentioned in the, in my intro, you were my vocal coach in high school, but you know, let's going to back it up here. Tell us a little bit about your journey and what it is that you do. Well, I was an opera singer for many years. And up until the time that you met me, that was what I was doing. And when you met me, I I can't remember, you know, Richie must have been little. My old, my it was old. 2001. Oh, gosh, he was a baby. My, yes, my oldest was a baby. So um, yeah, and then I, five years later, I had another child. So 
uh, long story short, at that time, my mother had suggested that I at least try to start teaching so that because I had started my family, she thought that I should have one foot in uh, another stream of income, mainly because I think she remembered, she thought, oh, my daughter's had one kid. How many is she going to have? I think she had a very vivid recollection, of course, in another time, you know, she was an opera singer too, that um, being on the road was really hard with kids and I, and, and it was. Uh, so in any event, I, she brought me in to where you, to where you were at your school um, so I could try it out, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, you didn't know that at the time, but that's what I was doing. I had never taught before. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just, you know, had the teaching gene, I guess. So, cause um, I didn't know that at all. I, you seem like a seasoned yeah, pro yeah, to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I was a very, uh, I was sort of an academic person for an artist to, uh, to uh, truth be known. And, um, and so I really loved to do the research that it took to prepare myself to, to do this and to translate what I knew, uh, in ways that, uh, you know, could be clear for teens, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it was, a, it was school for me, to be honest, that period of time. So I really, it, my passion was ignited, especially for young voices, because I really felt it's a puzzle. And if you could get a young person to sing, uh, you know, to apply the physiological, uh, truths to a young body, uh, then you were really testing your metal as a teacher. And so I've always kept a little bit of that in my life. Although now I've been teaching for all these years now. Um, and I'm more focused on, uh, serving the needs of people that are professionally singing. So, uh, that's what I am doing here in New York. I have a private studio. I also did help establish a, uh, performing arts institution here in New York in Lincoln center um, that does serve gifted high schoolers in New York. We recruit and uh, the Kaufman music center, shout out to the Kaufman music center provides um, uh, free, uh, you know, uh, scholarship lessons Mm -hmm. to um, students from all over the city that my colleague and I uh, choose through the audition process. And then you started aging gratefully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Age, age gratefully. gratefully, And that just started during the pandemic. Like, well, I have to tell you, um, lockdown was a, I mean, it was a thing for all of us. Of course. And it was big in New York. Like, well, I can't speak to how it was to be where, where you are, but in New York, it was insane. And, you know, tense. And I know that the news is one thing and, and I get it. You really got all the highlights of the worst in the news, wherever you all are <laughs> about New York, but New York, just like nine 11, everybody pulls together. Um, it, it becomes a very, very small place in, in crisis. Yeah. And, um, because of how we all, uh, you know, treat one another, but, um, Broadway shut down. I mean, there was there was no way to see this. I mean, it, it, from where I stand, it was like, well, everybody's always going to sing. There's always going to be the arts. For the first time, me and my colleagues really felt like we did not know what our futures held. Yeah. And I thought my studio was going to disappear. So to be honest, age gratefully was a distraction. It was just a distraction. My husband's in the restaurant business. So that shut down. And, but four years ago, he said to me, because restaurants are very much fueled by influencer talk and so forth. And he came home one day and he said, there is this thing called an influencer. And I really think you can be one. And I said, what are you talking about? So I, he started to show me Instagram, this thing I had never seen. <laughs> and I, and I was like, oh, this is cool. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a place where nobody knows where I am 
It's it, it, none of my friends will follow me. I won't tell me tell them I'm here. I'm just gonna follow people like J.C. Dupree and Ariel Charnis, oh, and I'm gonna shop. I love them. I love I, them. I I just wanted it for shopping. Yeah. And so when my friends would ask me, because I have I have anxiety in stores, so my friends would ask me, "Oh, are you on Instagram?" And I would say, "I am," but you know what? I'm not. I don't interact. I just made a magazine for myself. Because Rich had introduced me to what an influencer was. So I just found them. And one day, Instagram started feeding me um, some older influencers. And one of them was Confessions of a Superager, who is now a very good friend of mine. And I was like, what? There are people in my age group. So I added... Confessions of a Superager, and then another woman that is, you know, becoming a fast friend, um, more turquoise. She lives in uh, New Mexico because I just wanted to buy what these women had on too. They mm -hmm. were dressing youthfully in a, in a way that I that I wanted, and so when I decided during lockdown uh, that I was just going to start inserting myself into this conversation come what may, I didn't know what was going to come of it. Um, I, I, they were inspiring. Uh, they, had, they had paved a way for women over 50. And then of course I started seeing tons of women over 50 once Instagram starts serving you up. That <laughs> algorithm is helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's now tell us. So you had no, sorry, I just have one no, question. So you no. had no Instagram before, or did you have Instagram as like a personal thing or like zero until the pandemic? Oh, I didn't interact personally on Instagram. When I signed up for Instagram, I did it to just be incognito. I mean, I did use Lisa Tamagini as my name. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. Um, and I just followed influencers. I didn't have anyone following interesting me. okay yeah. and you didn't post I, made, I used to tell my friends i made a no not really every so often well toward after a year or so of having it what i put on facebook sometimes i like bragging about my kids or something but mm -hmm. no i didn't really interact because i didn't really have anybody watching me it was just i hadn't really caught on i i really can't do more than one social media like now it's getting like crazy that brands want you on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm like, oh, TikTok, you know, we're <laughs> with you. You're old. Like, you know, just a totally different audience. It's like the meanest people in America are on TikTok. But in, in any event, um, that's how uh, that happened. And then, so when I decided eight, to start Age Gratefully, I probably had like a hundred you know, friends from college or whatever that just figured out I was there. And because, you know, like you say, the algorithm shows you to people and Lisa Tamagini was there. Your friend from Facebook is on Instagram. So I did have a few followers, probably under 100. And um, and I'm sure they're not since following because they're, they're probably college friends that are like, what is she doing? You know, yeah. it's, it, you know. So I just turned Lisa Tamagini into Age Gratefully. It's the same account. Account. Mm -hmm. Now, what what does Age Gratefully mean to you? Like, where did you come? Where did that that term come from for you? Well, it has so much meaning to me. But if I really had to boil it down, I was raised by women that aging was not a bad thing that you got better with age, that if you were beautiful 10 years ago, you were more beautiful 10 years later. And it was true of them. It was true of my grandmother. It was true of my mother. It was true of my aunt Olga, who was my um, grandmother's sister-in-law. She was a really inspirational woman. Um, unfortunately, my aunt, my mother's sister, she had MS. She yeah. did not... Um, get to age unfortunately she died when she's a year older than me but um i have sort of like a 
a workout mantra that I've shared with my audience. And it seems to be an inspirational thing for many people move because you can. I'm a daily exerciser in celebration of um, being able to move and getting older with um, my agility and strength. So everything that I do is because I'm am grateful to age. It, putting on makeup, figuring out how to you know not lose all my hair, you know, all of that for me is about um, continuing to go on with with, uh, with gratitude. And I do think aging is beautiful. I don't think we. Somebody out there uh, said um, last week. My friends and I were like, "What is this post?" She said, "I hate the term aging gracefully. I'm gonna look good to the end." And I was like, "Well, what does she think aging <laughs> gracefully is?" Like, I was like, "Okay, I don't. I don't know that she comprehends that what we're trying to say here." But um, aging gracefully, aging gratefully is all about allowing that process to happen. It does, it's not giving up, but it's, it's being in it and, and understanding that you can be your best at any age. I mean, it's going to happen anyways to all of us. The, what is the alternative to this woman? I was like, I just want you to know you're going to, it's, it's happening. Well, I mean, what's the alternative? You know, that's, that's every time I'll say to my mom, do you think this is too young for me? Do you think I'm, you know, I look too old or something like that? And she's like, you know, you have to embrace. And I'm, I'm 35. She's like, you have to embrace who you are in this moment because the alternative is not so great. Not so great. Not so great. And also it's really ugly to age bitterly or to really fight it too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all about what anybody wants to do to feel good about themselves, but I also am not huge on um, extremes to look younger. Right. Well, I yeah. mean, you know, I remember your mom, Dr. T and she would, so she was our drama teacher. She was also religion, but Specifically, I'm referencing drama because we would do, you know, we would have play rehearsals and she would be running across that stage like nobody's business. It was like right. it was always incredible. And to me, you know, I have a I have a nanny who's 100. She's going to be 101. That's in, amazing. Yeah. She used to come to the plays at Nazareth all the time. And actually, I remember your mom and her like having a chat one day and my nanny walking away and be like, oh, my goodness, she's so lovely. Oh. Um, so, so I. I grow up in a house where aging, you know, is to be embraced. We live, we live very long in my family. So hopefully I will follow along with that. Um, So, but it's nice to see one of the things when I started my influencer journey off, I remember being on a rooftop with this woman who was uh, four years older than me. And she said to me something that I, it was, and I was just starting off and I'm like, geez, and she's only four years older than me. She's like, you know, I'm realizing that eventually I'm going to age out. I'm like, you're, she was, I think she was 34 at the time. And I was like, you're going to eat. What do you mean? You're, you're in your mid thirties. She goes, well, this is a young kid's game, you know? So what do you, what would I you have to say about that? Of, I think a lot of women think that, And I am grateful to um, the older women out there that didn't because they really did pave the road for a very large and vibrant midlife conversation on these platforms, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then the companies that get behind that. That is true. Companies like, uh, like Third Love that wants to put me in an underwear ad, that's pretty big. And you rocked it. (laughs) <laughs> you rocked it. Thank and, you. and I mean, you have, you know, you've had a couple of companies behind you, Liverpool jeans. Yeah. Um, oh, I just saw one, another one the other day and I totally forget yeah, what it was. Say Grayson. Yeah. Yeah. Companies like Tula, Peter, Thomas Roth, Dennis Gross. Um, I have something coming this week for dermatology. Um, a, a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, really strong brands putting, fourth uh, women over 50. 
Now you mm-hmm. grew your Instagram account to over 10,000. You said you started with like a thousand, a hundred people and you, now you've grown it to over 10,000. How quickly I did that? I had a hundred people. Well, and that's what <laughs> I'm saying. So how, yeah. how long, how long did it, how long did that take? It must've been well, super quick. Like it was, I felt like it was slow because sometimes, oh, geez. <laughs> sometimes you see these people, but I don't really know the inner workings of Instagram. Like sometimes yeah. you turn around and somebody went from 2000 to 30,000 and, and I, you know, I don't know what they've done you, right. you know what I mean, to get there. Um, it, uh, when was lockdown, I guess, I, I think my first post was May, 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've grown like 9,900 people or oh, more than that since May of 20. So less than two years. Yeah. And you know what you gain them and you lose them. Well, yeah, you know they they come and they go. You know some people. So it so in a sense, I know this is a weird thing to say, but when they come and then they go, at least they crossed your doorstep. Mm-hmm. So your audience is even bigger than the number that's up there. In a sense, yeah, because mm-hmm. people because people dropped in and and you're out there in this space. And if you impacted them, even if they thought, wow, I will move because I can. And then they unfollow just because they're not on Instagram anymore or, or they're sick of your content or whatever. It, at least they're out there moving because they can. There's there's always an opportunity to impact a life or to teach something, it, it, even if that number doesn't stay up there for you. Really, to me, the number, all it's done is it, it potentially just unlocks more interest from brands. But at the same time, I'm not totally interested in every square being an ad. Like in the last week or so, I've been very relieved to be able to put up a get ready with me over, you know, anytime I can, because I feel like that's when you're really seeing me. Mm-hmm. Even though you can buy what I have on, I didn't, you know, I didn't make an ad if that's, if that makes sense. Although I don't do anything that I don't believe in. Like you never see a lie from me. I will never wear or use, I I get a lot of stuff that you don't see. Like when I tell you a lot, I mean a lot (laughs) and I can't, it, it will not make it there. And anytime a brand approaches me, I say to them, I will sign the contract or I will present this to my audience after I'm sure I love it. Um. Like there's never a time where they approach me and I just say yes, because I'm a voice teacher. I don't have to like, if somebody follows age gratefully, I'm not, I'm not trying to be flip here about other influencing, but yeah, I don't have to have money from this. If that makes sense. It's, it's a genuine exchange between me and my audience. And, and I'm not saying I, I know a lot of ingenuine people. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just only talking about myself. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is how I deal with this situation because my main focus is what I really do for, for a living, which is sort of midwife dreams of young artists, but this is an extension of my teaching for sure. It's just another way I like to uh, teaching is sharing and, and if so, I can help, somebody, I will. I have a question on, on that. So at, at what point did, you know, so you've got like, you started with very little followers and then you just started, you know, gaining some traction. At what point did you get like a, your first brand deal or start to actually have that brand influence? Like, it sounds like you take the approach of like, this is just kind of a fun thing you like to do and you like to be in this space. You like to be in this space because you want to, you know, showcase that, you know, so I've made great friends. Yeah. That's the big. So, and the brand deals are just kind of a bonus. If you just like, like it, it sounds like that's kind of, you know, where you're at. So I can't lie. It's nice to make money. I mean, who doesn't want to make yeah. money? Mm-hmm. Right. And especially if you like what you're talking about, like who's not going to be excited to 
to talk about Peter Thomas Roth and get paid for it because it's a great brand or wear Boston proper and get paid for it. I'm not going to lie. It's Mm -hmm. like that. It's fantastic because I love them and they paid me. So, and that's the best of influencing it. But the, but really the best of influencing is your followers who you're helping and and who you feel that is like really a fan of what you do because you're they're being helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to answer your question about when, I would say about five thousand. I mm-hmm. noticed a turn in um, even after a couple of thousand. I would have more like I started out like taking oh can we send you this and you'll try it but it wasn't a paid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that's hard for me because to make content in a, a, my life really is time is money. I sell my time. Yeah. For a, You're a service a provider. Yes, exactly. And I sell intellectual property. So on Age Gratefully, I always try to say to myself, you are selling what you think about this. You are selling your creativity and how you present something and your personal stamp. So you must get paid for that time that it takes to create that content at this point. <clears throat> at the building stage, I, I hustled. You know, once I figured, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, I, I'm getting I'm getting followers. This is weird. So I'm going to start really talking to people and see what happens. And then it, then it does it does build up. But I mean, the core of it is the the community. People talk to you, you talk back. Yeah. You don't sit there and go, when can I get paid for this? You know, I, I don't, I don't think that that is, is the most genuine way to go about content creation. But I do imagine if you don't have another base for income, impatience would set in and you just need to get paid. So my advice to anybody starting content creation is have a side hustle. It's just like artists. You, you know, when I came to New York to to lay my ground as an opera singer, I worked as a makeup artist for Estee Lauder. I needed an income. And then I and then I let go of my side hustle when I was making enough money as a singer. So in my mind, I've never not supported my dream with something else. Mm-hmm. That's a very normal thing to me to do. I think that is, it is interesting that you say that because I, I, so I went to school um, at Pace in New York and I have a lot of friends who are still in the theater world, but almost all of them have that side hustle, right? They have the, they have, they're still going to auditions. They're still, um, you know, going to coaching and, and voice yeah. lessons and everything they like should, that. They should keep it up. Yeah. Oh yes. They and they keep it up, but then they have, you know, they have the, the waitressing job or one of my friends worked at an agency for models as, you know, a talent manager and everything, which of course introduced him to a lot of people, which was a great way. Yeah. So you do it in your industry. That's great. Like when I was mm-hmm. transitioning out of singing, I taught singing. Right. So, you know, you're still in the industry. Mm -hmm. Keeping it in the family, so to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely a family of artists. And my (laughs) my younger and my sons are involved. And they're extremely, extremely talented. Well, you you have been this lifelong performer and a teacher. And, you know, you you talked about community. Do you think that those skills that you've learned from, you know, your your past lives or even your current um, situation has translated into creating that community because you have such an engaged following yes yes um I definitely do I think when you're a singer and you are humbled to the task of like bringing to life something that somebody else created you just realize that you are communicating and I I learned at about your age actually that because I really thought well, singing is my passion. Singing is it's supposed to be my passion. Is it my passion? And then I realized, no, singing is not my passion. It is actually one way that I express my passion. My passion is to communicate. So once I knew what my passion was, it really opened 
Oh, and I don't mean to sound like a self-help book, but like, it, it, not, I don't think everybody can word it as passion. But what I feel that I am called to do, <clears throat> um, it, it created a lot of clarity for me. And mm-hmm. age, gratefully, is a natural extension of my passion to communicate with others. And I just did that initially as a singer, as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um but everything I do, parenting, um, friendship, it's all part of that core uh, passion, which is to communicate with humans. Well, <laughs> so yeah. I hope that translates in age gratefully. I really do. Because um, my, my audience and my friendships and uh, that I've gained through this are extremely important to me, I've also, you know, found ways to express um, my desire to help in community, like, you know, volunteerism. And um, I'm on an influencing board, uh, uh, bringing awareness to a non-for-profit in your area called Uncommon Threads. Oh, yeah. I would love for this to actually make it into the podcast, if you don't mind. No. For me to shout out to Uncommon Threads Boutique in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where people can donate clothing or money. And what they do is they dress um, disenfranchised women um, in the area. It's not a dress for success only for work and stuff. It's really literally women who don't have clothing of all walks of life, whether it's preparing them to re-enter the work phase or just to live their lives. So I'm on a board of influencers. You can even shop my closet on um, Uncommon Threads Boutique website where there's an age gratefully closet that um, uh. I keep donating into. Um, actually, uh, yeah, there's links to all, I think there's 19 of us on this board and you can shop all of our closets on there. So I would never have become part of that Mm. if I hadn't done age gratefully. You bring up a really, um, critical piece of the puzzle when it comes to communication. Cause when we create, you know, I have a, I have a, I'm not, not as successful in the, in the singing area, but you know, I had started off thinking I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be an actress, you know, oh. I went to school for it. And then I, I do remember that. What? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then I got to acting school and I was like, I prefer communicating about theater. And then that's kind of been my transition into, you know, doing the blogging and then of course the podcast. And, you know, I think that is what content creation is. It's, it's, it's really our way of communicating, um, of trying to get that message out to people. And I think that with, um, age gratefully, you, you've done such a great job at, showing women of, you know, what used to be that certain age that they don't have to dress like grannies. Like I know there's that thing and Jesse and I have talked about this before because Jesse's a fan of um, the sex in the city and, and just like that. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> well, the, you know, the, the golden girls were the same age and I don't get me wrong. Love the golden girls. That's my jam but they were the same age as the women now and, and just like that and showing people that you can dress how you want to dress. There isn't any kind of limitations. Rules out the window. Yes. I mean, and that is um, this sort of uh, human evolution that, that, that we're in. We're Mm -hmm. throwing out the rules all over the place. And especially in a place like New York city, raising teenagers here and so forth, I see very acutely how rules are being thrown out. I mean, laws of, of gender identification and, and everything. There's, a, you know, people are more free. And I mean, what is a better communicator than clothing? I, I understand that we have big problems in this world, but we're not gonna make them any better by abandoning ourselves relinquishing power, everybody getting in their sweatpants and giving up, it it doesn't make anything better. And clothing and being our best and communicating with one another on that level about who we are, Mm -hmm. 
um, is a tremendously powerful thing. We're talking to one another before we even say a word with the way we get dressed and the way we present ourselves. And we all know it. Mm -hmm. It's just whether or not uh, we embrace that. And I'm not going to necessarily with my clothing wear a sign of exactly what age I am, but I'm not going to not, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't see why a woman of almost 55 can't wear a faux leather dress. I just don't see why I can't. I hope that's the case when I get there because I have a full of the dress that I'm still going to get back into after having my daughter to almost three years. Later. Well, that's, I mean, that's another podcast altogether. <laughs> yes. you, know, you, you all are at a really, I remember your age very well. And the journey is um, extremely complicated in, in your thirties. And mine was with, um, with motherhood. And also I know a lot of young women dealing with, with um, infertility issues and uh, just a, a lot of women mm. of, in your age group really doing that um, difficult work of figuring out uh, who you are at, the, at this point in life. Mm -hmm. And every decade has its, has its gut punch for sure. My husband had said he read a report on happiness and how happiness um, spikes like when we're um, in high school and early college. And then it like takes a sharp dive down in our thirties because that's a part of our lives that we're dealing with starting a family can add stressors. And then also what I'm discovering is we're now dealing with aging parents and yes. having to figure that out. And my, so my there's one, a real issue. Yeah. And it continues. I mean, I mean, not everybody at 30 is dealing with an aging parent in their seventies or whatever, but the stress, the amount of stressors that happen in your thirties, but then the happiness goes back up in your fifties and sixties because you're, you're near, you're near, you know, you're, you're at a point in your career. Hopefully that like things are pretty stable. You're like, you know, you are probably making more money. You're at the higher end of your earning potential um, and you're retiring. Or you're reinventing. Yeah. And so it's yeah. interesting that you said that because I think there's reports that reflect exactly that, that at, in your thirties, you're figuring out all these things. You may have had kids and now you're dealing with trying to manage a whole new life. You're dealing with aging parents. You're trying to buy your first home in this insane market. And people are just, yeah. they're dealing with a lot in their thirties. Well, may I speak about the thirties with some degree of authority? Of <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We'll take all the advice we can get. Um, okay. The, the, the trouble with 30s is you're still young enough to care what, how, like, how you look in the establishment of your life. Yeah. So you, you do not have necessarily, knock on wood, more life behind you than you do ahead of you. So you really, really care what your house looks like. And you really, really care if your kids got into the, I mean, I made so many mistakes caring and wasted yeah. so much money caring. It could have gone into good shoes. I could have had some really good shoes over, that are 20 years old right now. Whereas I, I, I cared just only about like, was my kid in this advanced science thing with you know so that he looked smarter it like you know the kid's a smart kid well let me tell you your kids will teach you where you go wrong if you have them yeah. <laughs> otherwise you have to learn that on your own my kids were my greatest <laughs> teacher because they put a big halt to my crap from my 30s which is a lot of keeping up with the joneses i hate to say it mm. it really is I, and even if anybody listening to me right now is like, that's not me, get back to me in 15 years and tell me on your 50th birthday, if that wasn't you. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. And I did it. And, and it's really hard to not, to know at your age, what doesn't matter. And at 50, I woke up and I, I announced to my husband, I was like, <gasps> 
I'm 50 and I'm not, I'm not, ta- can I swear on here or you'll edit it out? <laughs> um, you go I was ahead. like, I'm not taking any more crap, you know? That's fine. <laughs> and, and he was petrified by what, by what I, oh, meant by, by what that. you meant. Oh, geez. Yeah. Because it, it, I just re- realized that I was full up of what other folks had had to say about how I was living my life. And so I think that the happiness quotient could really go up in midlife because of that. No, you I abandon, you abandon a lot. I totally agree. I feel like you, I, I will get back to you in those 15 years because that'll be me in 15 years. I'll be 50. And it's like, I'm sitting here thinking of myself, all this stuff that I've been trying to get Ariel into and yeah, it's a lot Our, of key. My, lot of my younger son calls it suburban politics. And you don't even live in suburbia. <laughs> no, he just, it, well, you know, he's had a lot of exposure to Wakefield, you know, growing yeah. up. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so you mentioned that, you know, you have these brands that have, you know, worked with you. Do you think... I'm, I'm see, now I'm seeing, you know, we had, we had sent you these questions and I'm kind of seeing a connection here because one of the things we wanted to talk about on this podcast was how, um, the population of 40, 50, 60 year old influencers have continued to grow on the platform. Do you think that may also be because these brands are really recognized, you know, obviously Instagram is a place where people make money because of brands, you know, contacting them and having them wear their clothes and use their resources and everything. Do you think that part of it is because brands are finally kind of sitting up and realizing that there is, you guys are actually alive. Like it's not just millennials and Gen Zers that matter. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. I wish I could say I had actually, more awareness or more expertise in understanding the inner workings of this. As far as I can see, certain brands do. I would think that skincare companies were smart not to just put young women in front of people. It doesn't inspire the market uh, that, that like you, like you said, um, Jesse, that has actually the money, the disposable income, um, so to speak. You know, we are at my age putting kids through college and so forth, but, you know, we're, we are investing in, in skincare and, and things like that. So I think it only makes sense to put women in my age group, um, at least mixed in there with younger people. Um, and I'm hoping that the messaging is strong for your age group, that if you look at a 55 year old woman with good skin, that that would sell the product to you. It, it, I, I, they must have solid research that it does. I would but, agree. Um, I would say that personally. I would know? too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it's inspiring. I think it's inspiring to see, you know, I think, I think again, going back to that sex in the city example where, you know, where we, you know, we kind of had this idea of what, like, you know, women in their, you know, fifties and sixties should look like. And it's, it, it's almost like the, the idea when you're like really young and you're like, oh yeah, I want to be married by the time I'm like 25 and have kids. And then like, yeah. I'm 30 and I'm like, I'll go get married in Vegas. Like, I don't know if I want kids. And it seems like it happens so quickly that you get there and you still feel so young and yes. now being able to see that, oh, you don't have to look like the golden girls. You like, like I still, like I'm, you know, I'll be 37 this year and I don't feel 37. I still, I still, and I still feel like I, I still get carded. Like I still feel like I look young. And then seeing that that can continue now into my fifties. Like I'm inspired by seeing women in that demographic, like just living their best lives. Like they don't have to go and play, you know, like my Nana would play, you know, just go to the Valley and play Mahjong in California. That was like her thing. (laughs) Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren is for L'Oreal. And it's like, God, she's gorgeous and she looks incredible. Of course, I'm going to go buy that product. Oh, okay, good. It's it's nice to hear that from you. Here's the thing. You're as old as you've ever been and I'm as young as I'm ever going to be. So we we do, we feel old and young always. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. always, you're always going to be having that experience. 
It, but it, the thing at my age is you look back and you go, oh, 37's a baby. But because that's as old as you've ever been, you're feeling older and wondering where time went. It, that's the funny thing about age. If we actually just lift age out of the conversation um, it, it, and we're just people moving because we can and buying great uh, grade skin products and finding high quality uh, ways to dress um, as high as, as we can afford um, and, fig and figuring out great formula formulas for how that can be, then we're just all ageless in a sense. And, um, you know, I, I shared with you about the 30s. That's just perspective. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really mean that and that was my experience too you know it's you can throw it out i always say to my students i'm going to say something and just throw it out if it doesn't work for you i always say that i remember because that it, because it's true mm -hmm. you know i'm cuz i can only speak about my my own life and my own experience that's just like if i use a product and i'm in love with it and you get it and you have an allergic reaction i'm sorry you know I, it worked for me I, i'm really <laughs> sorry that happened to you let me see if I can help you find something else. That's how some DMs go. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. You know, but, um, or, you know, you buy a, a bag, it doesn't get delivered as fast as I got it. Like, you know what oh I mean? God. And you use uh, that, that stuff happens. You know, yep. people are disappointed. You can't please everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, then I, mean, I had a follower get really mad at me last week for being competitive on the Peloton. I say move because you can, but then I did a story post how I came in first in a class and I was really proud of myself for like beating a, a lot of younger people. And the, and the, and the follower was mad that I said move because you can, yet I was competitive. So I thought about it for a while and I did get on stories and retract. I said, you know what? I am a competitive person. I'm a classical musician. We're very competitive people. But if I said anything to detract from the fact that you should move to your ability, that message is so important to me that I will, that I retract getting on there and being excited about beating anyone. You know, I can keep that to myself. <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to still feel it, but you can't make me stop feeling. But you, but I, but point well taken. You know, well, you you obviously take that community and your responsibility to that community yes. very seriously. Yeah. I feel so I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I want to take it back one step. We've mm -hmm. gotten into like this really deep stuff. And now I'm going to get into more of the technical stuff. Go for it. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've you've been doing some great reels lately um, mm. out on the street. Is that one? Is that little Richie taking the pictures? Who's out there? Who's out there doing the videos for you and the pictures? A, it is a combination. So that Liverpool ad that you saw with me and my uh, and my husband, Richie did that. Okay. Richie is a very um, creative person and a talented photographer. Yeah. So when he's available, I will have him take pictures because he has that youthful vision. Sometimes it's almost a little too artsy, so I have to rein him in. Because I'm like, you need to see the jeans. I'm selling <laughs> jeans. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the sky is great today, but I'm selling jeans. So the, uh, but most of my pictures are taken by my husband. I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes on reels. They are usually done. I do not have a lot of time to create content. I work right. for it gratefully at the crack of dawn and after 9 p.m. So I have designated age gratefully hours a lot of those reels are literally i set up the camera when i'm getting dressed and i edit them later um it, because it's the easiest thing for me to do i don't that really have time to do it so i'm just getting dressed and i figure out how to edit it so it looks like something and but sometimes it's late at night and I have something on for the day and I decide before I change, I'm going to do a reel of it as if I'm getting dressed. So a lot of those are made at night. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that all this podcast is all about easy ways to create content. So that yes. is 
totally up our alley and is definitely something I can understand very much. I was doing a day in my life. I was trying to tape pieces of a day in my life, which is, I'm going to be doing a reel. And, um, it was just me getting myself ready and my daughter. And it was just like, it doesn't look very glamorous at all, but it's just what we're going with. So yeah, you you do it like just vlog and slap some music on there and you'll be surprised how glamorous it looks. No, it always looks fantastic. People think those are, are good pieces of content. I'm so happy because I want them to be good. And I want to share really what, what I'm wearing looks like and how I decide what to wear in a sense. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's so simple sometimes how I have to do it to fit it into my life. No, yeah. I, I'm, I love, I love hearing that. That makes me feel a oh, lot good. better. <laughs> yeah, well, now you, you said sharing, are you going to, you know, you started this as a pandemic project as the world kind of returns to a semi-normal Broadway is back. Um, I'm sure a lot of your, you know, I know you probably were doing a lot of sessions over zoom, but now maybe more in, you know, in-person sessions now. Yeah. Do you I did see a yourself? lot of uh, both uh, to begin with, because I have students from all over the country. So when the pandemic hit, it was not a big transition for me to go online. I was already online quite a bit. Okay. Well, that. Yeah then you already were ahead of a ton of voice coaches I've, I've known. Yes, so I, had a lot, I, I took a lot of calls. How yeah. do you do it? How do you do it? And once Skype was invented, I started Skype. I started oh, Skype. Yeah. there you go. I haven't been on yeah. Skype. Skype is old school. Old school yeah. now. Yeah. Oh. I've been, I've been doing online lessons for a decade. Oh, wow. So well, I mean, it makes, it makes sense. I well, mean, the big joke on me was I started age gratefully to keep myself busy and my voice studio actually grew during the pandemic. Well, there I'm, a, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, quite a skilled online teacher, not to pat myself on the back, but you just got to call a thing a thing. So I, I was just so used to it. I know how to, I know how to listen and physically into it. So it was easy. That's so awesome. <laughs> now, now that this this has grown, both both pieces of your business have grown. Where do you see aging age gratefully going in the future? Do you are you going to keep it going with it, or is this something that you're going to kind of wind down as the pandemic winds down? I don't think you can. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a moving train at this point, and I'm really I'll do it as long as I enjoy it. And right now, I'm sort of at a peak of enjoying it even though it's driving me to really like not read books as much as I used to so I have to think about that because I don't have as much free time right you know to just center myself it feels you know like I'm working two jobs but um yeah I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying the people and the view that I that I have in this place. So, you know, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought very much down the line on it. I just kind of go day by day on how I feel. I feel as long as I'm getting dressed and putting on makeup, why not? Yeah. Why not? Especially if you're just doing it, you know, taping it as you're doing it for the day. So yeah, I'm, there's not a lot of bells and whistles, not a ton of production value. I don't know that I'll ever get into that you know, spending a lot of money to look flashy. I really just think it's always going to be me. And, um, you know. Well, I think that's what um, the algorithm and all these platforms are are leaning towards. And I think that that's actually why TikTok has become so popular is because it's literally people just in their authentic self. And there's like zero production value. Almost all the reels I'm watching and the TikToks I'm watching, it's people with their phones and calling it a day, maybe adding some captions or some cool transitions. But other than that, it's their real life and uh, authenticity. Whereas before, like when even, I mean, I was a late starter with Instagram. I think I started in 2015, which is late, but, um, but at that point still, it was very much like hot, like the photos that were the professionally taken always stood out the most and like really needed to have a curated feed. Now it's, now it's like, you know, let's see the real life. Let's authenticity is definitely being prioritized. So you're, you're right in there with the, with the best of them. 
Well, it's funny because when companies say something like no presets, like just set, and I'm like, preset, what's a preset? Like, oh. what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I, I'm, I'm not a very technical person either. You know, I'm, I'm really happy I learned how to like put videos together and well, you do a great job of it. Well, thank you. I think that, you know, when you're a creative person, you'll figure out. I don't think you have to be so technical. I think if you j just have a, like, sort of a way of expressing yourself through what you do, I think it will, it will, it will come out. So that's just a little advice to anyone who might be listening that wants to start. Just, you know, really do try to just use your own creativity and your own voice as it were you this know? is well this has been so awesome as i like it's just we have gotten so deep into this and i absolutely love it so where can people find your instagram give us the give us the handle the handle is at age gratefully so it's a g e yes a g e g r and then an eight the number eight F-U-L-L-Y, because Instagram wouldn't give me the spell out version. Somebody must have it. <laughs> Somebody so. must have it, but they're obviously not using it as well as you yeah. are. Well, it's been oh, no. it's been wonderful chatting with you. It's been great seeing you again after all mm -hmm. these years. Too. So nice to chat with you ladies. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you uh bringing me into a conversation about uh, how we can sort of bridge the gap between your age and mine and, uh, you know, just well, celebrate. Yeah, we'll it was fantastic. soon enough, so. <laughs> I know. I enjoyed this conversation. It was great meeting you. I am going to be following your feed. You're really inspirational. And I think our audience is going to be excited to, to find you and listen in in this conversation. Well, good luck with all of this. I'm so happy. I mean, you're, you have an, a lucky audience. Thank, Thank you. It was fantastic to see Lisa again after so many years and to see her kind of make this segue into the influential influencer world. I feel like she really summed it up for us. I'll just sit, share my key takeaways because I know she really gave us the rundown here. Um, basically, it's it's the idea of just being yourself and not caring what anyone else thinks. You know, being being mindful, of course, of and sensitive to others' feelings and issues, but you know, just embracing who you are as you get older. And I think that that does get a lot easier as you get older. I do think we are still, I, I mean, even I look back at when I was, when I first met Lisa, when I was 14, 15 years old. And even though I don't feel necessarily any different, I, I realize I care, even though I still care quite a bit about what people think, like I care so much less. I'm not that insecure teenager anymore. And I think that that only continues to grow. And I think that that really is showing up in her Instagram account, as well as a lot of other um, influencers over the age of 50. So I'm excited to see that demographic grow. And I'm excited to kind of, you know, eventually, if I can decide to continue with this, grow into that demographic and be able to just kind of do what I want to do a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I loved our conversation. I think she's really inspiring. I know you know her from uh, a past life. And I was glad to be able to be introduced to her platform and her content. And it's really inspiring. And you know, I think that for me, it's very similar to what you said, not really, um, you know, I think you've been going through this a lot lately. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally don't like, I've always kind of paved my own path and I don't really like worry about what other people think too much. And, but I think it was really inspiring because, um, you know, how she talked about the, the different age, you know, uh, demographics and, and what we deal with light in, in life and not having to, you know, live by those, those standards and kind of paving our own way, but also realizing that, you know, we kind of are in this together and that community can really, um, help lift everybody, um, up together. So yeah. that's really, you know, I know it was a long conversation. And so I, I think there is a lot of, uh, pieces that people can take away. If not, maybe one or two really great nuggets for our listeners. Oh, definitely. And especially also the, the fact about communication. I think that a lot of times we, we may forget we're not just creating content to create content, content sake. It's also to communicate a message. So that was also another great point. 
um, that was made. So that being said, thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. And we'd love it if you follow us on Instagram, Cocktails and Content Creation. You can email us, cocktailsandcontentcreation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram, where I'm going to try more to be a little bit more authentic, at fashionablykate and co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos and at the Brand Photographer Method if you're a photographer looking to get into branding photography. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Thank you.